Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. It's joyful. Like sometimes it's yeah. fun to have an extra cup of coffee. And like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I find what works for you. <laughs> but it's interesting to look at it. Like our relationship with food is yeah. pretty... I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Shake my head. <laughs> Same. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good. Finally. <laughs> I had it. I don't know. I don't oh, know I, what was going on there. Just side note, I do have parasites. <laughs> oh. You do? Yeah. Because I know, Sarah, you were like in the on that whole thing. In the, oh. Because um, uh, where yeah. do you think you picked them up? Traveling? Yeah, the guy, I got it, I was like, um, the doctor downtown that does the stool sample kit, and he said that the the types that I have are, yeah, I mean, you can get them here, but most likely abroad, traveling abroad. Oh, wow. So they have a treatment for that then, or? Yeah, so now I'm sort of balancing this line between Ayurvedic, I've stopped Ayurvedic herbs, and I'm going to try his treatment plan. It's like a two-month herbal mm-hmm. thing that like targets the the um, parasites and like supports your liver and your lymph and so I just started it like two days ago and we'll see what happens we'll see. I already feel like I saw something weird in my poop today so I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see them come out it's like kind of freaky but <laughs> I'm glad that like I have the result that's like yes you have I have like two of them so mm. anyways um interesting yeah Yeah, I was thinking the other I have this image of like a triangle you know where you're always trying to get to the root cause there's the symptom and the bottom of it is 
is the doshas. But, you know, here's what the, you know, functional medicine and then all the different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you like, you need to get to all of those things. If you yeah. don't, if you don't get all the way to the bottom though, those, those things keep piling up and pushing into. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like the either or you do this oh. model or you do that model. It's like, you we have to figure out how to mesh all these models together. Yeah. They each get to something different. That's the mindset I have is like, well, there's a reason why these parasites were allowed to thrive because if I had a healthy gut, then it should have burned them out. Um, so I do still like, know I have a dosha imbalance and keep like, keep doing what, um, Jessica is telling me to do. Yeah. You're right. It's like, I could get rid of the parasites and then they might just like come back or I still have an imbalance that allowed them to thrive. You know, when I had that uh, ovarian growth out, I had this immediate intuitive thought that I haven't solved the problem. You right. Know, they just, like, like, what's the energy there that allowed the physical manifestation of that? Yeah, that was still there. So, but thank God, you know, for surgery, because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I once had an aunt, my mother's aunt so let's think about how long so she was 92 so this was in the 60s probably she had this she looked pregnant her abdomen was so large she looked nine months pregnant and she had some kind of growth and back there the back then they didn't do anything with it in the 60s wow um and i betcha it was like what i had wow yeah and they just don't triple yeah. Well, I thought the, I, you know, um, Brie offered to talk about what it's like to enter into the field. Ooh. And it, I think it kind of dovetails with some stuff I discovered on my vacation about Hawaii with um, how Hawaiians used to work before the white man showed up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'd like to hear about that. So if we if we want to start recording, then we can just continue our yeah. chat. See, this is how we chat. Bri. It's been uh, this is the first time I've just finally just hit record. Uh, so oh, it's yeah, been recording nice. us. <laughs> oh, has it? Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so we have an extra extra person joining us. Bree, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name's Brianna Wheeler. And I am a new grad, new physical therapist, licensed physical therapist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a great experience working at Therapy Solutions during this really stressful time, like getting out of school and then still having to continue studying. Like I remember a lot of people that have come to the house they look at me and they see me studying and they're like, what are you still doing studying? Didn't you graduate? (laughs) Yeah, I did, but still have this huge exam I have to pass. So um, yeah, it it was a lot, but I couldn't have been in a better environment to start to foster my own healing journey, which is just beginning and starting to work with people, which is the best part about the job. Um, and then the worst part is dealing with 
learning how to document and <laughs> getting all that stuff, <laughs> all the logistics, logistics of the job are, are what is still a little bit difficult. And then going into such a specialty, it's like, um, I have so many books that I, and I just want to learn all of it all at once, but it's like, okay, what am I going to tackle? <laughs> like taking it day at a time really. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. So the way that we, and I've, I've done it for almost everyone. I don't think I, I did it for you, Chrissy, cause you already had two years of experience. So you kind of like jumped right in, mm -hmm. but, but especially when people are just coming out of school, I give them like six weeks where the first couple of weeks are, they're just following along with as many therapists at the clinic as possible. Um, see how everybody works. And then um, we do a lot of <clears throat> education to um, just share some of the, like we have a lot of handouts or ways that are common to how we educate people and get that stuff out on the table. And, and then like week three, they start, you started seeing patients, but we start with three a day and then we go to four a day, et cetera. Um, and then we tap out at six to seven a day at the clinic, which is um, anywhere else. You're, what is it? Seven to 12 a day or? Gosh, well, my six last clinical, my last pediatric clinical was 18. Oh. So Chrissy said 20 and what? I everybody. 16. Yeah. I had a clinical at 16. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because well, it was two an hour and you work for eight hours. So I feel like the six a day, because when I started Therapy Solutions, I started at eight patients a day. And then midway through my time there, I went down to six. I feel like that was a nice, sweet spot. Six. Six a day. Yeah. Yeah. But I can I do seven, but that's the day. Yeah. It's difficult, like, to work with that and the insurance model, because um, that's why I think a lot of clinics do 20 a day to just get people in and out in order to make a... Um, make ends meet pretty much. Yeah. And then, you know, so what I've done is sacrificed, um, you know, profit, <laughs> you know, in order that we get to work the way we want to. Yeah. Um, makes life happy. Um, so I was thinking I was in Bree's shoes, so I can relate a lot to Bree because I came in as a new grad too, but I had already taken my board exam before I got there. Oh, so okay. uh, I didn't have that added stress the first few weeks. Right. Like there's a, there's an adjustment to becoming a therapist and interacting with people. I think Bree, you said it early on. It's like um, in your other rotations, you could have a wall up between you and the clients. Whereas the way that we're operating is more uh, it, in, I, intimate or Inter there's more interaction yeah yeah definitely when you're seeing as many people as some of these clinics are seeing you almost have to put something between you and these people especially as an empath um it, it can be a lot <laughs> to work with that many people um and so it can become overwhelming so at a certain point you learn to somewhat kind of distance yourself um which there are pros and cons too, I think. Um, mm -hmm. 
but this is the model that I enjoy because I enjoy getting to know people. I enjoy getting that more intimate relationship so that we can get further in their rehab. Whereas it's just, it becomes a little bit more superficial when you have to put this block between you and you and your patients. So. Mm -hmm. And patients feel that on the other end too. That's one of the biggest feedbacks I think we I would get at therapy solutions was wow like nobody's ever listened to me for this long before mm-hmm. or nobody's ever like assessed me my body this much before um and that's I think that's the big one of the biggest draws um, for patients I think of this from two sides one is from the ther- what it does for the therapist and what it does for the patient but Chrissy, because your first job was um, two, well, two years working without necessarily that aware awareness of mm-hmm. what we exchange with patients when we work with them. And what, what kind of impact did that have on you? I got burnt out pretty quickly. Um, and I also, at the same time, was going through um, the end of of an emotionally and spiritually abusive relationship. So it kind of was going at the same time. Um, And which one drove which one? Probably both. You know, they both drove each other. And and at some point, I think I realized, like, there is more to life in general um, than how I'm living my life. And there's more to my practice as a physical therapist, um, especially in the pelvic health world. I was working for, at the end, I was working four tens, um, worked and lived an hour away from each other, um, at the, like a good day of driving of, of, um, traffic. And, um, I could see, I think the most I had in one day, most patients I had in one day was 24, um, and the problem was because we had a high cancellation rate. Um, we had like a 25 or 20% cancellation rate. So then they would just pack people on. And if, so then if someone, if everyone decided to come that day, mm-hmm. then, um, then I would have that high of a number. Um, usually it was between 15 and 20 a day. Um, but that's just not sustainable. Um, I remember, uh, just at some point, so I thought the four tens would be great because then Friday I could like do all of the errands that you need to do during the week that are only open during the week and now on the weekend, but I would end up that day, that Friday, just sleeping (laughs) because, and relaxing and recovering. Um, and at the time I didn't quite know that that was because I was, uh, recharging I just thought you know I'm, I'm lazy or I'm not I'm not doing the adulting that I should be doing um but really it's just because I was so burned out and exhausted that um and it, I, I would not be advantageous for me to do something else besides sleep and relax and eat good food yeah this is a great example <clears throat> of what I discovered when I was on my vacation in Hawaii I've gotten to go to this place for 
over 10 years now every year and I'd like to learn more about Hawaii every time I go and this time I saw a poster about the history of this particular plantation where they have a train and it, they had a comment on there about they paid him a dollar a day the workers and this was like 1860s 1880s I'm like wait a minute that that's around the time that slavery was okay. What was going on here in Hawaii for real? So I found this essay posted on the University of Hawaii website. Um, and it was the history of labor in Hawaii. And um, prior to the white man showing up, they had an economy of use. In other words, they just produced what they needed. And that was it. And they had four months a year of the games and fun, four months a year. And I think that's what humans were designed for. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I saw another poster that's like they had about six foods that they ate plus six plants, plus probably chicken and pork and fish. And that's what they ate. You know, and then they just had fun. When the white man showed up, the population of Hawaii of Hawaiians was three hundred thousand. It dropped, I don't know in what period of time, to seventy-five thousand, partially because they worked them so hard. And then also because of the viruses that and that that the white people brought with them. But we we're just not meant to work that hard. Humans aren't meant to do that. <laughs> Nope. Yeah. And we're at like an all time high of productivity. Um, you know, their measure and however they measure productivity, you know, I'm sure it's based on GDP or what whatever our CEO uh <laughs> uh paychecks. Um and uh we're at a all time high in productivity and yet everyone is not happy, no one is paid like most majority of people aren't paid appropriately for that productivity um and they're sacrificing other things um to achieve that productivity and yet it's still not enough um my mom was in town for three weeks um and uh she was working at the same time um like um and she, uh the ceo had a town hall for the entire company to be able to to um attend and she let me listen in on it and it was terrible the amount of times that the CEO of her company was like we're just cruising we're not we're not gaining we're not doing the things that we need to do become to become this national bank like bank of america or chase or something like that and he just kept saying this and i'm like you are talking to your workers who, if they didn't do the things that they did, you would not be CEO. Um, and I just, and that's just unfortunately what our culture is. It's still, despite all the conversations we've had since the pandemic started, and we are hoping that it has been a light bulb for a lot of people on how we've been living is just not sustainable and healthy. Uh, that mindset of push, push, push is still there. Yeah, I don't know what we do to counteract that, except purposely live our own lives mm -hmm. without doing that. I like that. Yeah. 
And that was a big selling point in some of the other job offers that I had too coming out of school. Is mm-hmm. oh, we have these bonuses, you know, like these great, great bonuses if you meet a certain quota or productivity for the month and then for the year. And it's like, <laughs> I don't really, <laughs> that's not a selling point to me. Right. It's driving me away, if anything. (laughs) That would just give me more anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) Feeding into that perfectionist model, too. Oh, yeah. Gotta get those bonus points. (laughs) Right. I just think what that must feel like, though, if you, you know, you're trying to hit those marks and then you get used to having that level of income and then the month that you're not feeling well or... not as many people are showing up and then you got to scramble. And that's another way how they don't get your bonus. Cause I was in the, my first job was in something like that. And, you know, I hit in productivity terms as much, as best as I could, but there was also my bonus could be affected by my no show rate and my cancellation rate. And I had no control over that. Right. Except for, of course, it's always like, oh, well, you need to make sure that you're educating them about the importance of physical therapy. And, well, I'm going to cuss. No shit, right? Like, I already am doing that, right? Um, I'm not telling them, like, oh, like, you don't need to be here every day or three times a week or whatever. I'm not telling people that. So how, what else am I supposed to do about this? Um like, what are you doing to, as a boss, are you doing to make sure that people know that that's important for them to be here? What is our front staff doing when people are calling to cancel and stuff like that? I just, and the fact that my, my bonus was affected by that was, was wild. It's something that I, it's out of my control, but it's a way to keep you in line, right? And follow, mm. follow the what you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. And that's something that's happened in healthcare where they, um, I think they used to pay people salaries and now most physical therapists are paid hourly, I think. Hmm. Did you get offered any salaries? I did. You did. did. Yeah. Oh, I see like the base salary and then performance. Right. So you had your base salary and then you also had, you know, the loan forgiveness programs, which are attractive. And then the bonuses, the sign on bonus on top of the productivity bonus. And Mm -hmm. yeah, but I, I just knew that I would get, like Chrissy said, I would get burnt out so quickly and I want to have a long, healthy, happy career. (laughs) So, And I'm just really, I want work. And so for the people who work for me and other therapists who don't, I I want work to be a place of personal growth. And I think if we're going to work closely with people, we have to do our own uh, personal work. Definitely. You can't take anyone any farther than you have gone yourself. So um, to be able to sit with people and listen to their stories and not be shocked by them. Um, that takes a, a lot of personal work. I think I, I tell people now that those five years I was at Therapy Solutions was the 
most personal growth I've been through in that amount of time. Hmm. Um, and I always think about how you said it at one point, um, Sarah, that, and that like, what did you say? Like therapists go through, um, growth faster because yeah. like people are your mirrors. Is that you probably say? Yeah. That. There's a, a book that I read. Um, and it, so my, my faith was really challenged by my, my work. Um, it just rocked my belief systems. I, I think, um, you know, we need to examine all parts of our life. So I was kind of rigid in my thinking around religion and I was seeing things in my work that didn't match what I thought I believed. Uh, I think my family really had a, a belief system that, you know, doctors were like God, frankly. So if the doctor said it, you had to do it. And, um, and then to, you know, we've talked about it here in these um, sessions, how it's just shocking how medical practice these days um, neglects people. <laughs> um, that was the whole wave of a younger generation distrusting doctors. Yeah. And being fearful and just not going into the doctor ever. And that is a whole nother problem. So, yeah. Well, so I was going through that and I found this book, I think it was called Putting on the Mind of Christ. Anyway, it was written by an ex-priest and he, it just, the first book I found that really spoke to me about and answered my questions about my doubts, about my faith and everything. And he had references. So it, it, uh, that worked well for me that he had proofs. And at the back of the book, he had his email. So I emailed him and I, you know, thanked him for his book. And I told him I was a physical therapist. And he was the one who said, body workers go down the spiritual path faster than others because every day you're standing in front of your mirror, you know, three, three to seven mirrors a day. (laughs) That's so good. Like once you, once I understood that, then I feel like my whole perspective shifted of when I'd be working with someone and then I would feel something. And instead of being like, Oh, this person just made me feel tired. It was like, Oh, something about this interaction, this person in front of me is now triggering something within me that's making me feel tired or mm-hmm. aggravated or, or energized or like <laughs> sad. And mm-hmm. then to be able to take responsibility for um, my, what comes up for me working with people. And then that became my work, um, outside of the room. Well, even in the room, then I tried to work on staying grounded and being connected to my, myself and noticing what was coming up for me and, and being like, and then, and then figuring out, okay, why am I getting triggered? Why am I getting caught here? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great shift, a mindset shift. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so going on vacation and then coming back, it's such a good contrast to see how my circumstances affect me and the habits I've gotten into. So um, uh, Monday, the first day back, when I started working with patients, I got dizzy, which could have which could be dehydration. Right. 
so I got to make sure I'm drinking enough water and I'm getting enough um, electrolytes too. But I also thought, where am I pulling my energy from? It was ungrounded. Hmm. So Yeah. Have you had some experiences like that, Brie, where you felt like um, dizzy or like sensations? Yeah. Well, I was talking to Sarah about this because in in the typical outpatient or my past experiences, it's not something I've really shared, but a lot of times I will f- start to feel like if I'm working on someone who has shoulder pain, I will start to feel shoulder like mm-hmm. shoulder pain. I do have history of shoulder pain, but it could be it could be really anywhere in the body and at first I was like, "Whoa, I don't know how I feel about this." <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be in pain all the time working with people that have pain. Um, but especially since starting working at Therapy Solutions, I'm learning how to better channel that energy um, and not only let it flow through me, but like Sarah says a lot, like let it fuel me and um, build me up. So I'm still in that transition period, but it's it's getting easier. Um, so yeah, I've definitely experienced that. Yeah. Cool. There's yeah. these things called mirror neurons. So like we're, we're, all of us are built for this, that we, they're, they're a distinctive class of neurons that discharge both when an individual executes a motor act and when he or she observes another individual performing the same or similar motor act. Um, But just as an example that our bodies being able to reflect each other is a natural human ability. And we're experiencing it when we treat people like, like that. And so it's kind of magical in a way. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your advice? Like if you feel that shoulder pain, like phantom or mirror shoulder pain, then because I feel like it could be easy then for you to develop like chronic pain over time as a therapist. So like, Mm -hmm. what do you guys do to work with that? Um, yeah for me I I usually well lately I've been visualizing energy go through like out my elbows grounding myself feeling my feet on the floor um and not putting a block between me and my patient Mm -hmm. but realizing okay this is me and then that is them um Mm. and I'm here to help them so that's been helping. <laughs> okay. That's I I um let myself feel it like I'm standing in a shower. And then at the end of the day I like to stop and think what 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 made me angry, anxious, sad, happy, you know, like so to reflect on what happened in the day and um who I interacted with and what that shows me about myself and what do I want to do about that? Nice. Yeah. So, uh, for, for instance, you know, like heartache is one that comes up often Mm -hmm. and, um, so what I'm in, 
inclined to do is like become more open in my heart, become more expansive, being willing to witness and be present to other people's pain. I always say, I think of those icons of Jesus or Mary with their heart open, you know, like, and they faced some awful sadness and yet they remained open hearted. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, it's like Hunter. So it's like a spiritual practice to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say I similar, like I feel the energy go, I feel my feet in the ground. I think that's been my like go-to of like, Oh, I'm feeling something. And then it's like, I, it's my energy. I feel my feet on the ground. And then I feel this energy shift of like, Oh, this is my, this is me. I'm here and I'm here with them. And I don't know what it is. It makes me just feel a lot calmer and like, I feel my energy bubble, but not as like a, like I said, like I'm not blocking them, but I'm like, this is my, I just feel like I'm sitting in this energy bubble that's both still open, but like still protective or able to digest a little bit better. But then if I'm still feeling caught, it has been, I mean, I had gone to the, <laughs> I'm just like cried it out or mm-hmm. allowed myself to feel because I, it's not been helpful to just like stuff it if I start to feel an emotion. Like I might wait until I'm done with the session and then um, go do that. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say, Chrissy? Yeah, I had an experience where I started feeling um, not like a panic attack was coming on, but I felt like um, just a lot of energy in my body. And thankfully it was at the end of the session and this is when Shai Wen still worked at the clinic and I was able, like, I like quickly went to her and I, you could, she could tell that I was not okay. And she was like, okay, let me like put a couple needles in, um, to kind of calm everything down. Um, and that, and I think I had like about 15 minutes in between, um, that last patient ending and when my next one started. And so, um, Obviously, like not everyone has the luxury of uh, having an acupuncturist in their office um, to be able, um, but, you know, with acupressure points, you know, I think that's another way that people could help ground themselves to, um, if, especially if they're not, uh, if just putting their feet on the ground and, and reflecting isn't enough, there are other points in the body that you can like physically touch. Um, that could help you come back into your body and, and be more aware. Well, and there's other ways like going outside in the, in the sun and some breeze, uh, getting your feet on the ground, um, even some movement, uh, exercise from mild intensity to more intense. um, Even like taking a shower and washing it off, which you can't do in the middle of the day, but, I was, we were talking about how cooking a meal for, with practice has become a way that I let go of stuff from the day. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's lots of, and it, I think it's important that we do something. You don't let these things build up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I remember it was either my first or second week, Sarah, where I, I sat in on a patient session with you and it was very heavy. And after we got into the back office, you closed the door and you said, let's shake it out. And so we we're just in the back office, dancing around, shaking all of it out. And yeah, that it's amazing. <laughs> so movement, movement is really powerful in that way, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wait till you walk in to your desk. And Sarah is in the doorway upside down. That's what uh, I was say. That will also be happening too. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think one time you were doing that, and I was like, I need to get to my desk. And I think I just walked right under, and, and yeah. you were perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you know, hands handstands help stabilize the motion. I, I didn't know that, but I'm inclined to go upside down sometimes. At, to re- just to relieve tension in my body. <laughs> so. Hmm. Yep. And yeah. there's the damn it doll too. Yes. I never, <laughs> I never used it, but there is, there is one in there just in case. <laughs> it's yeah. a doll that, that's built so you can whack it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you can hit it on something really hard. <laughs> <sighs> 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 I how I'm I'm like processing like like I a lot especially for women or in in gender roles in the states like you can't show anger right and like everyone tells us like anger is not a way to like reflect or process emotions but I have been finding that not processing anger and not showing anger in an appropriate way and like learning how to do that um builds up tension and builds up my own struggles and um so there is like a healthy way to process anger there is a healthy way to show anger and you're also allowed to have that um that's uh emotion so another way to to reflect on your experiences as well yeah we, you know, in the beginning of the clinic and of the clinic's history, we, um, who is it? Uh, the one of the therapists, she said, uh, we give bonuses for crying. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny because we let people cry at work. It's, and I think oftentimes that's a something that's shut down. But then years later, um, I decided, yeah, and we give bonuses for be- getting angry too. Appropriate expression of anger, right? Like, because that's another emotion that just gets suppressed. What would you say are appropriate expressions of anger? Uh, uh, saying what you're thinking, but finding a kind way to do it. Um mm. I think of anger as an emotion that has a lot of energy in it because when it's showing up, your values and reality are not lining up. And so it gives us the energy to bring those things closer together. Um, and I, I do think it starts with expression. And um, we have to be able to talk to each other. Those are still very uncomfortable conversations i try to avoid them at all costs <laughs> me too 
<laughs> there was uh, in the wing seminars, you know, we went, went to, my husband and I went to, they had this thing, what did they call it? But every once in a while they would have you, well, because one of their, um, workshop was, was actually once a month for four months. So you got to get know people and, um, she, oh, what did they had these uh, sessions where they're, they're like, okay, you're just going to tell people, get things off your chest where you're, you're going to tell them what you're thinking. And you went, because you know, you like, you build up opinions about people and they start to irritate you. Right. So you've, they would have us practice walking up to that person and saying, you know, when you do this, it's bothering me or, you know, finding ways to tell people how you feel, what you think. Mm -hmm. And even the way I just said it is probably not how you should tell somebody. It makes me think of the, like, it's been helpful to learn the nonviolent communication. Yeah. Because then you say what you say, what you observe like you're not putting like I notice that you're not putting the dish in the sink <laughs> when you're done, and then you say how you feel. I feel um, frustrated, and that was it. What you observe, what you feel, and then what you need. And it's a whole that one's hard for me. Like I always have to look back at the list of needs, <laughs> like uh, because it's not like I need you to put the dish in the sink. It's like I. It's like I need to feel. I need um appreciation for the work of I do in this mm-hmm. house cleaning mm-hmm. and then and the request is like would you please put your dish in the sink after you eat yeah so I don't know I just it doesn't always come naturally for me but to like say like write down the I journal it usually write down the problem and then I go through yeah observation feeling need request yeah, that's the awareness wheel. Right? Oh. Yeah. Which it, and then your Rose Marshall Rosenberg, right? Nonviolent communication. Is that the one you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, and that it's how we think. Okay. Observable facts, and then judgments and thoughts, and then feelings. What I want and what I'll do, what I want from you and what you'll do. <laughs> And you don't always get what you want. Right. <laughs> so you right. can't control other people. Yeah. At least saying it, learning to, to say those things. I yeah. once, when I brought that tool into the clinic um, and I like, I had the therapist start to use it. One, one of the therapists, when I asked her to do that with this other person that she wanted, she had an issue with, like she had to take her sweater off. She was just getting sweaty. <laughs> so good. <laughs> From that being that yeah. direct. Yeah, that would happen to me. I think there was a, so there's a second side to where we started from like um, it, you know, the, the effect of our work on us when we work too hard or when we find to a way to do our work in meaningful, meaningful ways that provide care for ourselves too. You know, like there's, that's a whole big thing. And I hope people that listen to this, no matter what their job is, like if we en masse would just start to demand that we be allowed to work in a way that nurtures us, we can get the job done. 
I still do a lot. I just don't, you know, I'm just not doing it in the way that it's going it, to, it's more my, I think I'm more of an economy of use than an economy of profit. And mm-hmm. um, if we could work towards that, but then the other side of it, I think, I think it was either Chrissy or Shona. Well, one of you guys touched on is what the person gets out of it. The what who are labeling the patient. Um, when when we can show up for the for our our patients um, in a relaxed state, in an open, observing, receiving state to them, like how much different it is for yeah. them. Yeah. It's not like we're doing less work seeing six patients a day versus 20. We're doing deeper, more meaningful work with longer lasting effects in the long run. We have like we're becoming masters at our craft and we have like a high quality product (laughs) pretty much. Like lower quality product that doesn't last as long, that isn't as meaningful but you get more of them, I guess. Right. Quality over quantity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had, I had uh, somebody in, uh, recently and uh, she got done with the session and she's like, well, that was cathartic. <laughs> I didn't know that was physical therapy. <laughs> and um, I'm like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, it's not just about handing a person a set of exercises. It's like, the why, helping people discover the why behind why aren't they um, doing things they know would help them, or what were the roots of this problem? What what gave a uh, fertile soil for problems to develop? And yeah. I really think that's what physical therapy is about. Um, Do much... you think it was more like that when you started, Sarah? Well, I you know what I. It just wasn't, okay, that's a good question. First of all, when physical therapy started, right, it was in the polio epidemic Mm -hmm. and we were not uh, college educated. They were certificates and they Mm -hmm. were, you know, helping people with the process of, of rehab because the medical doctors didn't have the time to do that. Um. So I think those things would have naturally arisen out of that relationship because those people were going off as that one. I met that original PT and she said she was taught it was her, her hands, a good table and a body of knowledge go. And now you have to get this person going. And so, um, and then I think back to, Okay, when I I started, the demand for like doing notes were not what they are now. That you could have a four line note. That was it. You know. (laughs) Yeah, it probably was more honest and made more sense too. Now we, I feel like we have all this documentation. That's just there's so much superfluous stuff Mm -hmm. and superfluous wording in order to get 
insurance documentation and then you read it, I read it and I'm looking for those four lines that I actually need <laughs> mm-hmm. to understand what's going on. Um, so yeah. Yeah, really great. <laughs> so I think because there weren't all those other demands, you naturally had conversations with, with people. And yeah. Um, so do you think even just in your career, like the the pace has quickened or the? Absolutely. We used to have time to sit around and chit chat as therapists. I mean, we do we do in my clinic, but I know, <laughs> I, I know that that's not true in other other places yeah and if we get going if everyone has a full day we don't really have time to chit chat much either but we 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 used to have it when I very first started we have a a board that had all the where people were in what rooms and we'd stand there and look and you know how was your weekend and it was really nice and low-key yeah yeah. I saw a post in one of like the Facebook groups for public floor PT that were talking about how how um physical therapy and occupational therapy how the names were appropriate the creation of the professions and the names that were chosen for those professions were appropriate at the time but now that our professions are evolving um that we like is physical therapy and occupational therapy actually the right words to describe what our profession is doing um do you um do any of you have a insight or feeling like if we could change um because I think what this also comes to is like there's still people that don't understand what physical therapy is And when I tell people what I do, a lot of times I just assume that it's just like almost like massage therapy. It's either it's like only Mm -hmm. massage therapy or only exercise. Like people don't kind of see the whole connection between it all. So if you could change the profession's name to physical therapy to actually uh, reflect what Mm -hmm. we do, what would you change it to? Oh, that's a good yeah. question. That is a good Hold question. <laughs> what did they say on the post? <laughs> um, let me look. Oh, so someone had said something about how the rest of the world calls it um physiotherapy. Um, and I I and so they're like, well, why don't we do that? But I still feel like that is because people if they don't know what physical therapy means, they definitely don't know what physio therapy, you know what that part is so and I you know and I've said as um professions professions naturally develop and grow so what physical therapists did and and that has changed in order to meet profit and demand and um other people step in and fill it in so massage therapies become a more popular profession. And so has personal training. And I think personal training trainers have become more um, sophisticated and knowledgeable as time goes on. So how do we keep setting ourselves apart? And a few years ago, I used to think like we, we were the experts in movement, but I, I think we're getting run for our money in uh, from some of these other professions. 
So how do we set ourselves apart? And I think for me, it is that we help a person look at the whole context of their life and what's behind their choices to create the physical nature that they're dealing with and how can they change that? And, uh, to, you know, to create optimal health. So, Hmm. I don't know what you'd call that, but we, we do work with the, you know, the everyday practical ways of doing things. Not, you know, we're not going to give people a medicine or even a supplement. (laughs) Um, and it's like, we even go beyond physical. So that's why I think it's, it has been hard for me to say I'm a physical therapist. I'm like, well, I also take into consideration your emotional being and how that affects your physical body. I guess people come to us with physical ailments and then we end up addressing um, emotional, mental, spiritual, and not just physical. Um, But that's not true for the entire profession either. Um, I think a lot of PTs still do mainly focused on the physical. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was so so the the first person who like posted said, "What if we change the title of our profession to movement pathologist?" Hmm. And she said, "I work in a pediatric hospital-based setting that has referred to us as just therapists." Um, I left a bad taste in my mouth. I also struggle that we are physical therapists, but there are also recreational therapists, music therapists, massage therapists, art therapy. Um, it seems anyone can be a therapist. Um, so then, um, uh, this per- then she said, there's another person that said, as an OT, this post is so interesting to me because there has been discussion over the years and other groups of changing occupational therapy as well. Um, it's not changing. Yeah, like, don't know that it would actually change anything. In our hospital, we have speech-language pathologists, but they bec- they become just speech therapists, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so no one really, like, went beyond that, um, which I think is interesting because I, I think calling ourselves movement pathologists, it, it might be still confusing, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's still like how Shona you were saying like it doesn't it doesn't quite uh, comprehend all the things that we're doing um, for people um, so yeah I thought that was an interesting yeah um, interesting ask well once there's a label there you still have to understand what does that individual do because even like medical doctor they there's such a variety of all the different things that they do. Uh, same with chiropractors. There's a lot, they all practice differently. So, mm -hmm. well, so I think the, the theme is of this is that the importance of taking life easy, even our work (laughs) and it doesn't, it's not laziness. Uh, because I think everybody here likes to do uh, do their job well. 
and likes to make a difference, get results, but yeah. um, we're choosing quality of life and quality of work. And then it's okay. So it, it's really more of a natural way of doing things and that the, what we're living right now is not natural. It's not human. And um, maybe we harp on this theme a lot, but I think we all benefit from being reminded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're okay. <laughs> so what about integrative physiologic healers? Oh, I like that. <laughs> For others and ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely incorporates a lot more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I like it. Mm -hmm. Well, this was fun. Yes. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. coming. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.